all things competitive in the world of Warhammer 40,000. My name's Eric, with me is my co-host Ray. And my co-host Robert. And back we get to the primary objective later in the show. It'll be all things Adepticon, as well as there was another large tournament in Marriott, England. So some of the biggest names in the continent have come out to play. But first, let's get to our rapid-fire segment. That's right. So first and foremost, uh, Ray, you saw the previews. That's right. Remember the good old days when GW used to do previews of events? Uh, at big events, they did one at Depticon. And I totally forgot about it, <laughs> but you actually stayed up and watched it. Didn't have to do too much to stay up because, luckily, this time around it's what two time zones ahead, so it was actually a fairly decent time. Were they actually there? Or were they video uh, again? So they were th- oh, the video that was being aired was them in England. But the way I understand it is, at the same time, the people at Adepticon were actually basically getting a live-action version of oh, this. Oh, okay. So what do we see? So, well, in Warhammer 40k, we got to see a nice video of a... I forget what they call the actual um, pilots of the knights getting ready to go to war, only to end up as part of a, a decoration for a shield. Why? Because it was a preview video for Chaos Knights. Oh. Yeah. And part of that was uh, the uh, image release of two new Chaos Knight exclusive knights. Finally. <laughs> now, yeah. For the article that was posted afterward, they start off by showing the... Uh, it's called the War Dog Carnivore. What it is, it is a, an armiger size, thus War Dog, uh, knight that is, I'll say, 90% close combat, in that it's got a Chaos version of the uh, Chain Blade weapon, and... A kind of a well, a fist, but claw. And then it's got a new, I believe they call it a carapace weapon, the one on mm-hmm. top, which looks like three missiles. I'm just excited. There's finally a real chaos war dog. This is fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I I think the top gun is going to be comically called the Iron Pebble missile Meh. launcher because <laughs> we have the Iron Storm. And the iron spear. What's next? A pebble? Dagger. I think it would no, work no, perfectly. It's a dog. He, he can't throw stuff. It's the iron frisbee. So he goes and gets a rock. <laughs> <laughs> Your boy Fetch. Rah! Bruises charge distance. <laughs> go, go get your toy. No, 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 no. Put down the marine. Go get your frisbee. <laughs> I think it might smile about right, that way. The next one, which was a... Yeah, the next one they showed, which was a uh, normal size, um, uh, it's the size of the Desecrator or the Rampager, also from Chaos. Okay, so I thought this it was one the, is uh, called the Abomination. So it's not as big as a Contemptor Dread, uh, not Contemptor. What's the the Super Knight? No, not the that Tyrants. big. Not the Perfurion either. But the one that drove everybody nuts from with Imperial Guard. Oh, I can't think of it. Why am I losing my mind? 
Well, no, the, the tyrants are the chaos name for Excellent. the stuff like the Castellan and the Valiant. Sorry, yes. So the, yeah. yeah, they're yeah, they're Dominus class knights is what they're yes, actually qualified Dominus. as. So this one, outside of the obvious chaos appearance, including tusks, which obviously made me think of the chaos terminators, uh, it has a Volkite style weapon. Which is called a Volkite Combustor. <laughs> oh no. Okay. A uh, close combat weapon called an Electro Scourge. Is that that whip thing? Yeah, the three whips. Oh, mm-hmm. I remember my very first time seeing a Chaos Space Read model. It was a uh, Chaos Legionnaire with one of those whips. They've never come out with one again. And it was like, oh. That was the coolest looking model. Yeah. <laughs> and it also... Um, it's a Psyker. What? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's and, a, that's uh, a bit of the article that I missed. Yeah, and just for the record, it has a tail, too. Interesting, because that's like, that goes like a throwback to the old Chaos Titan um, in Epic. They all had tails and tail weapons, kind of like Cardifexes. That's really cool. So this is actually a, a really exciting thing to see. Uh, I was a really big fan of the Desecrator and the Rampager when they came out. I do not own either. That might change in the future. But uh, seeing more divergence is an, a great thing to see for this army because especially at the very beginning it was just same thing, different codex. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think Chaos Knights, the aesthetic-wise, is going to complete the inside joke that we have, that I just need to win the best Chaos trophy at Octio Onslaught, because I have best Xenos and best Imperial go. already. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, like house. incoming giant snobby <laughs> robots, I guess. I'm just wondering if Goat Boy is going to sue GW for copyright infringement, because he uh, took... Um, Age of Sigmar, the, the woolly mammoth things of the ogres ride. Iron horns, I think they're called. Because, um, are, oh, are you talking about the... Yeah, stone horns. He stone took horns? stone horns and converted them onto uh, his Chaos Knights. So they actually had that Terminator look with the horns coming out. Like, this was back at... Last time I went to Nova, so that had to be, what, five years ago? Six years ago. Oh, uh, okay. Then those are probably actually the thunder tusk bits because of the fact that those are the long mm-hmm. drooping tusks, whereas the stone horns actually have horns. It helps that I have an ogre army and I know exactly what models. I don't are even which. know who you are. So. <laughs> First of all, okay, you have an ogre army, and then I find out. Okay, this is breaking news to all our listeners. And then Robert is enabling Ray by giving him the triumvirate of the Nari. Ray, when does Ray have Eldar all of a sudden? When did this happen? <laughs> oh, oh, then it won't surprise you, Eric, that I also have a Dark Apostle. I have a Karn the Betrayer. I have several Corn Flesh Hounds. Booga, 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 booga. <laughs> this is just further proof that at the end of the day, this is a chaos podcast. What is going on? By the power oh. of Zinch, it compels us. Just when you think you know someone. All right. Ray, what else happened on the 
uh, preview show. Alright, so kind of an extension of shower, that initial bit of the... Softy. <laughs> <laughs> Just make sure not to let anybody see the uh, the fallen uniform under that. <laughs> I wore that, <laughs> actually, clothes. last time I went out. Nobody picked up on it. So anyway, keep going. <laughs> um, so, uh, kind of extending from that preview of those nights, they announced that um, two new, two, two of the next codexes coming out were Chaos Knights and Imperial Knights. They're coming out at the same time, which I think is a good thing. Those are the two. They, they kind of complement each other. Just a heads other. up, whoever's so, going to buy them. Oh, we'll get there. Yeah, I was about to say, just as a heads up for anyone buying them for any friends, do not buy the wrong one because the covers look pretty similar outside of color differences. Oh boy. Eh. Uh, I, I think I could argue the, uh, the, the the differences are obvious, but for anybody, I, who... I know. But to someone, <laughs> go ahead. Yeah, to someone who's like, oh yeah, no, buy me the Knights book. Which Knights book? Oh yeah, yeah, the one with the blue guy <laughs> on it. You come home with the Gray Knights Codex by mistake. And like, what the? What is this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's just the thing because I know. Some of my non-Warhammer playing relatives have tried to get me stuff that's useful, and it's a, oh, well, we're going to buy you this book. I already own this book, or I didn't want it. I just say, hey, this is the the game store I get the stuff at. Just give me store credit from there. But anyway. One can dream, Ray. One can (laughs) dream. Um, For those people who already have a Chaos Knights army and want to kind of jumpstart a collection of the new stuff, or someone who just wants to get into it, they are releasing a Chaos Knights army set, which, much like the single faction army sets we've been seeing, comes with some models. In this case, one Abominant and two War Dogs. Of course, they'll, when they start selling them separately, they'll probably be in pairs. And also, the Codex, and what I'm assuming is going to be a special cover. In case you're wondering, those are the War Dogs in Ed Ray's house. So he has a preview copy he's not sharing with us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Like, just saying, Chaos Knights, they hit on twos, they wound on ones. All right, so this open the conversation. There's, obviously, there's been a lot of conversation this week about the lack of balance in the game. Are knights the right thing to bring balance to the force at this point? Um, in my opinion, in order for knights to come in and help balance the meta, because um, right now the meta is shifting away from Tau, Custodes, and Tyranids to Tau, Tyranids, and Harlequins. So at that point... The, the problem that knights will always suffer from is the fact that terrain rules say they can't ever be blocked out of line of sight unless you physically can't see it. Like what happened at um, Octio Onslaught last year with the one player who bought a Warhound Titan where for some reason it magically couldn't be seen behind a building. Made to all buildings <laughs> in a single bound. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, and... Like, sure, Harlequins won't have as many tools to deal with knights outside of 
Void Weavers or Star Weavers, whichever one is the boat the that terrorizes Weavers. the game right now. Um, they look the same. <laughs> How dare you, Botkey? So, in fact, they basically are. So they um, they'll need to do something where knights can actually benefit from obscuring terrain at least a little bit, like get some kind of bonus save or something because of the fact that if they can't hide, then armies like custodes or Tau will literally just sit on the back third of their deployment zone and go, yeah, we're going to let you walk forward for two turns and then we're going to kill everything. Yeah, I don't know. Um, one thing I really hope they change the, um, the ion shield rules. I really don't like it just being a invulnerable save. Kind of like, kind of want to see it more like the void shield rules that they have in Forge World. Did you have like a rotating mm-hmm. wounds that you have every turn type thing? Yeah, like how the the actual Titanicus rules in the Forge World Compendium have, where it's like you have essentially a two up save to to everything and whatnot. Including oh, mortal wounds. I didn't know. Okay. And yeah, it, or it might not be. It's been a while since I've actually looked at their data stuff, but um, essentially, it's unless you kill the right. void shield in its entirety, um, the void shield regenerates itself. Because I know, like for the Warhound Titans, I think their void shields are like three wounds apiece or something. I think so. Yeah, Before it was something like that. I remember when we played uh, Epic, it was something like the the Warhound size had uh, three shields, basically. And I think every shield was four, equivalent of like eight wounds. So what would happen would be, yeah, you're to bring back the Void uh, Weavers again. They open fire. If they do, all right, first eight wounds goes against the shield. Next eight wounds goes against the second shield. Third eight barrage goes against the third shield. Now everything that goes through... Uh, hits the knight, and then next turn, the knight beam might be bracketed, but he's back up to you have to chew through those opening shields again. Now, eight wounds is pretty high, but you get my point. You know, there could be three wounds each. But the idea is that they pop back up, and there was a way to um, I don't remember if they're automatic, though. I think it was a two plus or a four plus. I can't remember. Yeah, no, the, the void shield wounds are from what I remember initially, they are a two up save. And it's every single fail causes damage to the void shield. That's why it's only like maybe three or four wounds on the void shields. It's That's just right. you have multiple yeah, void right. shields. Yeah. So I love to see that. I, I do like the like, Crusher Stampede thing where um, they count as as many models on that objective equal to their current wounds. I was like, "That's a cool rule. I like that." So I can actually play the objective game. I don't. I don't know how they're going to do actions. I'm a little confused on that. Um, at that point what they could easily do for that is if you're a Dominus or I forget what the medium sized knight class is but essentially Gallants and Paladins and all the normal sized knights if you're any size of them or larger you can perform actions um, and still shoot would be a nice balance because at that point you could have them go, oh, I'm going to raise a banner on my objective and I'm going to use my Castellan to shoot at you. <laughs> Instead of going, all right, my Castellan raises a banner and you literally look at your volcano cannon and your plasma decimator and just go, ah. right. 
I, I could honestly see them going the opposite and where it's the Armagers that are the only ones that could do the actions because they're smaller. And, and that's another fair lookout, too. Like, the Armagers being able to do the actions. Um, essentially, like, if you were to look at things like, um, let's say, the detonator one in the tear down their icons or whatever it is, the one where you get primary points for each explosive marker you have. Um, like have the Dominus do the action and still be able to shoot, but you have the Armagers able to complete the action before the end of the turn instead of at the start of your next command phase kind of thing. Yeah. Like, because they're smaller and more nimble, right. like that could be another balancing thing. But again, it's it's terrain is just going to be the biggest thing for knights as it always is, where if you can't hide a knight, then... It's just going to get shot off the table because you can't see anyone. Me bubble. So it's, it's not just hiding anything. It's also being able to get past the terrain. Yeah. It, it's just overall because knights, as far as I've seen them, since I've only really seen them since eighth edition, effectively, they've always been more of a, we're going to kill the opponent. So that way they can't play the game kind of thing rather than, we're going to play the mission. It's the just the mentality of you can't play the game if you don't have an army. Well, I wish they had had in the core rulebook, but I guess it wouldn't be too late to add it to these codices. Would be that the super heavies or titanic keyword allows you to move through uh, ruins like infantry, but when you do so, you take D3 mortal wounds. I mean, that would be a, a fair thing. And because then at that point, you could actually have your gallant do what everyone wishes a knight could do and just charge yeah. through a building. <laughs> I mean, I don't even think vehicles should have this rule as well, but, you know, it's not, not the cards at the moment, but... Well, I mean, like, at that point, if something like a rhino or some other vehicle would be able to charge through a building, it, you roll a die on a on a two plus, your vehicle doesn't oh. get stuck. Oh, kind no. of thing. That, that, that'd be a, a difficult terrain check rules again. We don't need to bring that back. <laughs> yeah. All right, I'm just throwing stuff out there. I'm pretty sure yeah. that wouldn't. Yeah, you're work. probably right. Let's keep it the Titanic. <laughs> you're probably right. Yeah, I don't. I think about rhinos. I was thinking more like Land Raiders, but yeah, you're right. Moving on, Ray, help me. What else was on the preview? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, there was the teaser at the very end. I, Which, yes. I guess, depending on um, where you sit and your, you know, you, whether you're, you know, um, a little disappointed because Chaos Space Marines are still on, currently in the same boat, or excited just because it's changing. But the days of single wound Chaos Space Marines are closer to coming to a, an end because we saw a clip with and little bits of models and the profile stats of a cast space marine legionnaire and we see the wounds and if i remember right the attacks increase yeah the at, at that moment in time you feel every single Chaos Space Marine model shimmy and shake off their dust, going, we shall be played again. 
Um, but I actually think it was the wounds went up and the attacks went down. Because when I looked at the Legionnaire thing, I think I saw the sergeant go from five attacks to four. And then mm. the lower guy go from four to three in exchange no. for the extra wound. I might have looked at that wrong, but all I really saw was, oh, hey, two wounds. It's only been almost 700 days. <laughs> So no, the attacks went from two and three. No, they're they're two and three attacks. Two for uh, a regular marine and three for a sergeant. Which mm. I don't believe believe they ever had more attacks in that base for a regular generic CSM legionnaire. Oh, either way, it is very much a. They're getting their second wound. They're them and probably chaos demons will probably come out at the same time unless games workshop does some kind of like major triple codex drop and goes eh, yeah here's imperial card here you go <laughs> yeah that's pretty much all that's left it, it is exactly all that's left after both the night reveals and the fact that tyranids are literally knocking on our door interesting <laughs> there's a scary thought yeah. Anyway, I think there was also a preview for, uh, not related to 40k, but there was um, basically Snowpiercer, the Nuckerbunda game. So that was I thought that was interesting. Starting to see some more stuff from that. All I could think of was, hmm, cultists. Cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You have every flavor, have f- like seven different units of cultists, and each of them is yeah, a different yeah, awesome. Necromunda game. Those nomads look pretty cool. I would play them as, or I mean, like convert them further into HRUD. Just leave it like that. But I've come to the conclusion I think I have four different because I have my I think I still have them. My old Necromunda gang. I was using those as cultists. So I have both Orlocks and guys are. Um and then I got uh was the Meek Grinder core because they look like corn cultists. I'm like, this is awesome. Oh yeah, the corp- yeah. yeah, the corpse grinder. Yeah, I have them in the Palatine Enforcers, and I still have yet to play Necromunda. It's okay. It's that's the the campaign. I have to see if they fixed up the campaign rules. It's basically it was just forty k meets Blood Bowl, and it has all the fun parts of Blood Bowl, but also has all the trappings of Blood Bowl. And um, the the ver- the comparison that I heard was essentially it was uh, like playing third edition, where everything was like it super is. clunky oh, and yeah. crunchy. That has not changed. That's why I love the new kill team. They they just said we're starting over from scratch. I'm like awesome. Yes, the whole plus one, minus one, depending on range and uh, all. Yeah, all those. It's basically the third edition 40k rules with the at that time. I think it was the fourth edition Blood Bowl campaign rules. Yeah, don't get tabled. It could be bad. <laughs> but yeah, otherwise. Um... I, and then I think the last thing at the preview, Ray, was the um, the new edition of 7th edition, a.k.a. the Heresy. 7.75. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. yeah. So. I just shake my head. <laughs> Got that nice... <laughs> Got that nice preview video. And honestly, if they'd actually put stuff out like that more often on Warhammer Plus, I think everybody in the hobby would probably be subscribed. 
at least if they did it on a regular basis. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, so, I think that's why the Exodite episode. Go ahead, Ray. Sorry. Uh, sorry. I'm just kind of continuing on. So, yeah, there's a new edition for Horus Heresy coming out. Um, they basically stated that there's going to be a new starter box. And we've seen two models from it. The first is a Mark VI power armor, and it is in plastic. For anybody who doesn't quite understand which one the Mark VI is, that is the one that looks like it's got a beak. It's also an armor that was used mainly by Loyalist forces closer to the end of the heresy, so it's possible that we may be seeing this addition kind of being set at the later points of the heresy. And the second model that they showed is a Praetor. Now, this particular one is painted in the scheme of the Sons of Horus, but if you take a close look at that model, you realize it looks a hell of a lot like a Lord of Contagion without all the Nurgle. Yeah, big old two-handed axe and everything. Even the pose is kind of reminiscent. Yep. So, needless to say, I'm, I've am i been wanting to try the Heresy at some point. Because, yeah, you know, I play a 30k army in 40k. It just makes total sense, right? I just never understood that game. I just... <laughs> But Eric, you played Seventh Edition. It it's should not all even make that. Sense. It's the well. First of all, I hate the Beekeeper Marines. I hate the look of them. Um. Then okay. Well, I'll play a Trader Force. Oh no, this is pre Eye of Terror. So all the cool spikes and mutations haven't happened yet. Like all right, so they're just clean Marines that are with a different pink color. Great. Where do I buy these at my local game store? Oh, I'm sorry, you can't. So you have to buy the Ugly Marines from Forge World, which means they take three weeks longer to get to my house at 20% more expensive. And it's Marine-on-Marine marine action with the exception of an occasional admech with the land train. Why am I playing this game? This is terrible. <laughs> so that's that's how it was when it first started. We're now entering the point where, generally speaking... Uh, in, an independent local game store can order one, well, assuming once this comes out anyway, but it'll be three, but as of right now, two different marks of armor. One is the, I forget if it's considered fourth or fifth mark, um, which looks a lot like the Primaris stuff as far as the helmet goes. Or the third, which kind of has that more medieval knight look to it. Uh, also, yeah, because two the two different but basic terminators, which at least in thirty k they have different rules because they're very different kinds of armor. There's also the contemptor dread. Now it is a very basic, but with a little bit of kit bashing, you can get the forge rolled arms uh, magnetized or just put on instead. And there is talk of there being a lot of stuff coming out with this release in plastic. 
and the especially nowadays that we've got the a lot of the fraud like the Forge World warehouse in the states. If I remember right, it's in Grapevine. The price has kind of gone down when it comes to your. I want to say basic things that you can buy from Forge World. Um, one example I can bring of this may not be the best, but the Aeronautica Imperialis stuff, they had the Forge Worlds where you get the Necron stuff. And it's as of right now, it's just their basic flyers. They're the same price as the ones you buy from GW. Or if they're more expensive, because I don't remember, there might be like 2 or $3 more expensive. By all accounts, that's basically nothing as far as GW goes. So, yes, some of the stuff can be uh, kind of expensive in what is already considered to be a, an expensive hobby. But generally speaking, when you're getting the stuff that's expensive, it's also expensive in points. It's not like, say, flayed ones that you're basically paying a dollar per point. Right. Yeah, that is that is very true. And with the with overall, like with the heresy getting new stuff, it's kind of the same thing. Like everyone's waiting on the rehash of the old of old world or whatever the the fa- the um fantasy rehash. But that's all in due time. I know that if I end up playing the Heresy, I will shuck out money to get the Mark III armors for my World Eaters, because, yeah, blood for the Blood God. Um, Are you a gamer that has more bare plastic than you have time to paint? Do paintbrushes spontaneously combust when you hold them? If either of these is true, contact White Crow Studios and get your models painted by a college-trained professional painter. You can contact Bo at whitecrow.commissions at gmail.com and view his previously painted models at White Crow Studios on Facebook. Hey listeners, this is Raymond with the Extreme Honest Podcast here to talk to you about KR cases. If you're like me and you're constantly looking for that better way to store your armies, then look no further than KR cases. That's right, this is the foam company known for their soft blue foam in cardboard cases. They're a great way to mix and match whenever you're heading out for that next tournament. You can just swap out those boxes and no need to worry about switching the foam in and out. They're sturdy. The boxes help protect your models and if you when you order, they come fast, the order is right, and for a better price than the other guy. So go to krcases.com and when you place your order, be sure to mention the Exterminatus podcast. But we have more pressing things to focus on, like the incursion of clowns that decided yes. to take Adepticon. So, um, yeah, altering. So, before we get into the results of Adepticon, I wanted to ask because all three of us have kind of started in the game at very different times. And one of the constants was is Adepticon has always been there, it's pretty much the very first super major. So, when somebody says Adepticon, what's the first thing that comes to your guys' mind? Um, n- kind of nice weather in <laughs> Chicago. I would want to say, because I've never been, I've never seen pictures of it. It's just okay. It's another large tournament. Um, didn't Jim 
like didn't Jim Vessel win yeah, at the last one twice or something yep. like that? I think he did. Yeah, so like he won that one, and that's where I was like, oh, okay, Adepticon. It must be a big tournament. It must be super important. That's that's my first thought. Wow, being this the newest is this is shocking. Okay, this is not what I all expected. All right, Ray, you go. Honestly, what comes to mind for me for me and uh, more nowadays is previews. But before that, it was what would come to mind for me when it comes to Adepticon is independent characters because Carl would go to it a lot. In fact, he even went this year for one of the charities. Interesting. All right. It's not at all what I thought you guys would say. I'm glad I asked the question then because I learned something. So, yeah, Adepticon his was, like I said, the very first super major and uh, kind of set the tone. It used to be like the Grand Slam, the big four. Uh, not Megadeth, Slayer, Metallica, and Anthrax. but um, So it was Adepticon, uh, BAO, Nova, and then eventually LVO became the big four. And Adepticon has always been more hobby-focused. Like, the team tournament is actually bigger than the singles. And part of your scoring was not so much your who can win the most games, but also your all your teammates had to be on the same display board, so they had to have a universal theme all together. So it was a really big hobby focused on the uh, Adepticon uh, circuit. Yeah, I remember chatting with um our co-captain Mike uh, Matt Baugh about some of the stuff he's seen at Adepticon because he's from mm-hmm. that side of the U.S. originally. He was talking about like one event, some dude like had Tyranids on their team and they brought in a display board that was like five feet yeah. long or something that was showing off a Tyranid invasion force coming down. I'm just like, bro, how do you do this every year? And they're like, oh yeah, no, we ship it there and then we leave it there. It's just whatever. It's like, God dang it. So, but it's okay, interesting so that you're one. It was, that was actually from uh, the fantasy side um AOS someone brought a display board that was seven feet tall. Yeah. Yeah, I think I saw that one too. I was standing on a table. <laughs> so the other part about Depticon that always makes me think of when I hear a Depticon first thing I remember was when they back in the dark ages when each tournament had to come out with their own mission packet. I don't mean just like what time the round starts and what time's lunch. Like you had to develop your own missions because the book missions were unplayable in a competitive setting. Adepticon always the presentation, it kind of set the tone um, because for that area, you know, in terms of this is, if we're going to be in the Chicago area, we're going to play the Adepticon missions because we're going to practice for our hometown super major. And I remember like a lot of panache, like they actually had their own uh, maelstrom deck and um, oh, by the way, they're back. By the way, <laughs> not that damn. And um, but it was always like you read these. The missions were really wonky, and they had some really weird policies. Like they would give out a primer, like here is a sample mission that you can practice, but we will not reveal our missions till day of the tournament. And it was very frustrating for a lot of. Um, the more competitive players are like, well, what, what, what's this about? Why am I reading this for the first time? Tableside. And then likewise, as after 5th edition, 
they kind of fell into the same trap a lot of big tournaments run into is that you got to update your terrain and it didn't. And that kind of came up again this year, but I'm not 100% sure if that was an accurate pictures that were being flown around the internet of that was actual terrain on a table that was being played on. So then again, there was the whole streaming table with the uh, Boyd Reaver parking lots, which was looked like feeding time at the aquarium. It was, it was ridiculous it was all on top of each other. So, Yeah, like the, the photos of the terrain that I saw, like I, I counted every, when I looked at each of them, I counted them and there was eight pieces of terrain, which is probably like, okay, it's mm. a realistic number, eight pieces, depending on how large they are can actually affect things well each of them really only had a mountain that was probably almost like 10 inches to maybe a foot wide like one kind of large building and then a whole bunch of like little scatter terrain that was it there was no there was no extremely large buildings there was not a lot of um los blocking Obviously, your mountains do that, but just overall, it looked like a very empty table and armies that need to use cover to like get across the board, like custodes. It was saying, oh, if I fly over my mountain, I lose whatever I put on the other side of it. If I'm playing into Tau, um, Tyranids could just walk across the table because there was a whole bunch of space. And Harlequins and anything else with a whole bunch of fly keyword just looks at the table and goes, eh, I don't need terrain, it's fine. Yeah, and that seems that it's that's kind of been the story for years. And they've really they have made efforts to improve, but it was it's almost like kind of like paying off credit card debt. You know, it's like you keep trying to dig yourself out of a hole and um so I don't know. I, I'd, I'd love to talk to somebody who was actually there. I know Matt uh, was there to help guest judge, and he was giving a little bit of a different description of what he saw. So maybe it was just you know, whatever tables made the internet weren't truly representative of the game. But, um, wow, yeah, the results kind of speak for themselves when I look at the top 16. It's just like, oh, my gosh. But, um, yeah, it's interesting. Um, for me, yeah. So my impression always of Depticon is always the uh, uh, the uh, Emperor's new gr- uh, clothes. You know, it's just like, aren't they wonderful? And I'm like, I don't get it. Um, it just wasn't my cup of tea. So I kind of go into this event always going, yep, mm-hmm. it's a big event. Their hobby thing is, that's not about doubt on the hobby. It's just the way they hobby isn't for me. And apparently... 12 years later and 800 people every year uh, can't be wrong. So go right ahead. Do what you guys want to do. So. Yeah. I, it, it might be one of like next season, next year. Um, I, I might make Adepticon one of the trips I do next year, given I have time available from work to see what it's actually all about. Because if I'm not going to go to Adepticon or Frontline Gaming events next year, I'm thinking about trying to do the push for the Games Workshop Open events next right. year if they do them again. So at that point, it's a I have my I don't have my hopes up for going to Adepticon, 
but it wouldn't hurt going so that way I actually can yeah, say, I mean, well, a lot I of people swear by it, so, you know, your results may vary. I just, for me, it was always the, yeah, between the wonky missions and all else, I, yeah, I'm not getting dressed up to get extra points so I can win the tournament. Sorry. But, but anyway, uh, quite a few other people did attend and then we had some very interesting results. Um, let's take a look at the top 16. All right. So I think I'll start that off. So in 16th place, we have Grant Hinkle playing Tau. In 15th, we have Jacob McFalls also playing Tau, specifically Tau Sept. Um, 14th, we have Alex Rutnarak. Hopefully I pronounced that right. Um, playing Eldari. Greg Harris playing Custodes. Tyler White also playing Custodes. Eduardo Gonzalez de Molina playing Necrons in 11th. 10th place is David Fields playing Ultramarines. 9th place is Britton Weiss playing Taucept. 8th place is Jack Harpster playing Asuriani, which at that point, that's just pure craft worlds, right? Okay. Um, 7th place is Austin Wingfield playing Necrons. 6th place is James Kelling playing Aldari. 5th place is Benjamin Sherwin. So Ben Sherwin playing Ulthway. 4th place is John Lennon playing Harlequins. 3rd place is Thomas Ogden playing Tau. Second place is Matt Robin Matt Robertson playing Harlequins. And then first place is Zach Point also playing Harlequins. So it's a pretty diverse field in terms of people, um, not necessarily factions. But Zach Point, I've not heard of him before, I'll be honest. And um, so congratulations for the big win. Uh, Matt Robertson coming from England. He's one of the top uh, ETC slash WTC players. Uh, coming in second, John Lennon needs no introduction. Uh, Thomas Ogden has always been um, in the top fives at several events, so we got to see him there. Ben Sherwin's been one of the powerhouses of the Midwest, and of course James Keeling. We talked about him before and all his exploits with the Goonhammer team. So some top players already making their rounds. Uh, hats off to Austin Wingfield, by the way, playing Necrons and getting seventh place. That's pretty awesome with this field. But... Um, so let's take a look at Zach Point's list, just so we have an idea what what is this. All right, let's see if I can read this off fast enough because there's only like four or five different kinds of units of Harlequins, right? Exactly. Yes. <laughs> All right. So we have a Shadow Seer with the Mirror of Minds, Webway Dance, and then a Troop Master, um, with um Kegarax Rose. I still don't yeah, know how to say that God's name. Ways. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, and then he has a whopping one, two, three, four, five units of troop, all with varying flavors of weaponry. Um, he has a single death jester with, I think, the relic sniper rifle, the laughing God's I eye that or something. So. Um, he has a solitaire. And then in the heavy support slot, he has a whopping one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine void weavers, all with the prismatic cannons. And rounding off the list are one, two, three, four star weavers. Something to the effect of, if you looked at the, the top list, the average uh, Harlequin player had something like seven point two void weavers in their list. It was just, it is the uh, if you don't know the unit, get to know it fast. You will be fighting against it. Yeah, and specifically, I think it does list it in here. Yes, he was playing 
as light harlequins. So that's the more defensive one that allows you to um, combine with the um, Shadow Weaver. Yeah, you can't target me beyond 12 inches, which makes life so much fun. <laughs> so, so I have to be within charge distance. I'm minus one to hit you, and I'm also only hitting on Remember, you can roll those to hit rolls either. Yeah. I learned that the hard way. Okay, you know what I learned the hard way? <laughs> that Void Weavers, in addition to the Prism Cannon, also two star uh, uh, Shuriken Cannons. I totally forgot about that. <laughs> ah, okay, because I don't know if the Shuriken Cannons are an optional thing for them to take, because on the Void Weavers, it does not list them as a... No, it is standard issue, which dri- is driving us Drakari players nuts that we have to pay extra to upgrade our twin splinter rifle to a splinter cannon, yet they get Shirking cannons for free. What the? <laughs> yeah. Oh, whoops. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's it's very much what I expected to see with so few um, data sheet choices. Um, Harlequins just literally taking what they can throw as much into their army as they can. And the fact that pure Harlequins are their first major appearance just taking Adepticon. Way to way to go, Zach, I guess. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a stacked field and yeah, it's Harlequin, so yeah, Harlequins, Harlequins, Harlequins. And then a lot of other Eldari as well. I mean uh Sherman with the uh, Ben Sherman playing adult um Ulthway, excuse me, is what I'm trying to say. And um then Jack Harpster with this a straight Soriani army, I mean Strands of Fate is no joke, and there's some really good builds out there, and it is a tome. There are just options in that book upon options, and just because the stuff you don't see on the table, it doesn't mean it sucks. It just means the other stuff is that much better. It's just so much stuff in there. Mm-hmm. I'm just waiting for an event that someone goes, oh, yeah, no, I brought an entire Wraith Force with three Wraith Knights in it. You know, I don't know. How, again, it goes back to the same problems Knights have. You know, can you hide them? No, but they're they're pretty neat. You know, I, I'm looking at them going, okay. <laughs> and by the way, they can come out of a Webway portal if you can get your hands on one. <laughs> I'm going to touch, touch on every week, aren't freaking we? Freaking Ray there. <laughs> Sends me a message. It's 2035. Eldar once again oppressive, and Eric still doesn't have a webway portal. I'm like, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think we can hop across the pond yeah. to. Um, hey, and before we leave Chicago, a couple of, uh, key shoutouts uh, in 18th place: Anthony Birdsong, uh, yes. How Empire. Um, they didn't go away. Justin Curtis coming in 23rd with Thousand Sons, and uh, interesting enough, out of the. Um, commentator booth and onto the table uh i just like where is he with his dark angels adam camilleri coming in 28th place uh going a uh, three and one only taking one loss in round two so uh the guy does know how to play as well as maximize words per minute though i'd like to give him a run for his money on that um I'd rather give him a run for money on the table but i don't think i can ryan snyder coming in 40th place with adeptus custodes and uh, he'd end up dropping his first game to Necrons, uh, but then put up uh, almost uh, perfect scores for the rest of the weekend. That Necron list, Robert, was the funniest thing I've ever heard of. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. I was a little fabricated when I saw 44 flayed ones. So, 
I don't know if that's going to be the new meta or if that's what's going to take, but um, clearly it took some people by surprise. But uh, I mean, it's totally viable because the the flayed ones will just chew stuff for breakfast. <laughs> All right. So yes, let's go across the pond. This would be the other tournament that happened over the weekend, but this is unlike uh, Adepticon, which. Besides, you know, we had a few big names there, but, you know, we really didn't see the, you know, for the first super major of the year. I thought it was kind of sparsely tended by the upper levels of players. This event is like a who's who of Europeans 40k royalty. Yeah, it indeed is. So, like, starting in, like, doing the top 15 um, Well, they did a top four cut, so let's do that first. Yes. Okay, so the top four in fourth place was Conrad Barkowitz, Bar- yeah. Conrad Kletsky. is the top Asuriani player in all of Europe, at least at least in the uh, Western Europe. There's still a question of whether there's a guy from Spain, a guy from okay. Russia that might be a little bit better. Okay. And then we have um, Andy Oakham with Har- So Conrad was playing Asuriani, just to be specific. Andy Oakham was playing Harlequins. Alex Harrison was playing Eldari. And of all people that took the event was Ennis Wilson. Um, I guess I should shout him out back because he shout me out on the table best in tabletop network podcast. I guess he's calling me the guy, not calling me by name, <laughs> but pointing out that I'm the guy who actually paid for my Missouri yeah. Cordia's when I didn't have to. Yeah. So whatever. We're not going to get into that whole issue, but uh, Ennis. Yeah, yeah, no, that. But interesting funny. that yeah, Ennis <laughs> takes it with with Ternitz, and he is, I believe, from Team Wales or Team Scotland. I can't remember. I apologize. He is Team Scotland. Team Scotland. So, yeah, so we got over Husu, and this, by the way, oh, what's on the top four? Eric, listen to this. This is fifth place Stephen Box, eighth place Ben Jones, ninth place Vic J. Uh, moving a little further down, fourteenth place Manny Chima, seventeen Mark Krubelholm, another one of the top of Suriani players. I mean, it's just like a who's who. Uh, this is a murderer's role for this particular event. Pretty amazing stuff. So, um, Marco uh, Malik, I mean, Rubio coming in 34th, uh, going three and two. So, yeah, uh, Jack Tight, who's in the ITC top 10 right now, he came in 37th. It was just unbelievable, all these people that were at this one event. Yeah, I will give it to um, Malik Amin Rubio coming in 34th. With Gene Steeler Colt. Yeah, they're the new uh, finesse army, apparently. And I'll be honest, with you, I look at the codex and I go, what am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> How many blips do I put down? Do I destroy a building? What do I do? <laughs> it's funny because I remember playing those blips like back in old historical games. That's how they did like um, scout moves. And, that's, and I'm like, oh, okay, I see where they got that from. And then you just play it at 40k. I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> I feel like I'm doing like um, three card ante with myself because I turned remember where where was supposed everything supposed to deploy, but mm-hmm. and then staying across the pond afterwards we we have the portal 40k Spring GT which was also in Manchester it's a little different though Manchester um, Connecticut <laughs> yeah that's true so it's still on the other side of the pond, but not on the other side of the pond. So do not 
No. Get your geography mixed up, folks. It quick, can hurt. quick, a uh, little fun um, here. I grew up right around this area, so that's this is, but this wasn't there when I grew up. So there used to be a bridge that connected the east side to the west side of Connecticut when you crossed the Connecticut River. So I, I, my hobby store I went to was in West Hartford, which is on the other side, and it was a toll bridge. So people are like, found every excuse not to cross this bridge, and then in the late <laughs> '80s, early '90s. They decided to get away get away with all toll roads in the state instead impose a gas tax. And within the the law was like scheduled to come into effect like in four months. They built this gargantuan mall uh, on the other side. And uh, and this is where this hobby store is. Is it's on it's in this complex. I mean, this mall is huge and now it's like a major entertainment district. And I'm really going. What happened here? This was like nothing. It was like um, it was a J.C. Penney distribution warehouse where I actually got a job there as a right out of college, learning how to drive a forklift. And I forgot there was another like industrial hub, but now it's this huge spot, and it's like the and uh, the only other place in Manchester to hang out, uh, which was hilarious. I found it on. Uh, the internet they talked about this place called the manchester parkade was an outdoor mall and you basically just cruise there on a friday night trying to (laughs) they've shut since shut it down so well your memory lane yeah manchester stepped it up a little bit now that they've got they had literally a 40k tournaments and this massive mall there now so it's baffling to me at this point Mm -hmm. (laughs) yep So I think we're safe to do yeah, just absolutely. top five for this one because we have um we have Daniel Mayer because his name is entirely in capitals. No relation um, to John playing Drakari. Um, we have Adam we- um Weinstein. There we go. I have, for some reason I had such trouble pronouncing his name. Um, playing Harlequins. We had Trevor Harris playing Adeptus Custodes. Daniel Wolmuth playing Osiriani, and then. Ben Rubenstein playing Tau. So keep your eyes on those events. Uh, that's usually Sean Naden's stopping ground. I guess he couldn't make it this particular event. But uh, some of his protégés like Anthony Vanella come out of these events and took the ITC by storm last year. Interesting to see if these guys continue the trend in 2022. Yep, it'll definitely be interesting. So I gotta, before we get into the ITC uh, rankings, I, I have a retraction to... to uh, an apology from last episode. Yeah. Um, I admit when I'm wrong, and a boy was I wrong, apparently. So Games Workshop has re-released a new version of the Maelstrom cards. They call them something else. I forgot. The Tempest of War, I think they're called. Well, I read the Goonhammer yeah. review of the cards. They're not bad. <laughs> so basically what they did is they mm-hmm. took all the secondaries... Uh, that we currently know and love from, you know, the mission Nachbund missions. And basically when you shuffle them and you draw, so for example, um, hold an objective. You don't have to hold objective four, which your opponent is sitting on. You just have to hold an objective. And then they'll have uh, retrieve data. You just have to do it that turn to get the points. And as soon as you do it once, you collect the card. Unlike the current missions where you have to get do it twice to get some points, three times to get more points, four times to get a lot more points. So everything we know and love from the current uh, mission set is in card form. You just have to do it each time it comes up. 
every card actually has a stipulation. For example, you get the old uh, generate psychic power type nonsense. If it's something your army cannot do, it does, gives you permission to discard it and draw another card. And um, without expending uh, command points. And there is a new action which does um, allow you to like re you know, redraw your deck and stuff like that if you get absolute junk hand in your. So it actually sounds like it may not be as terrible as I had originally said last week. So I take it all back. I might give it a try. Um... Well, when I put it in perspective with that thought of, oh, it's you have to do the secondary this turn and that's it. Um, that can actually be a humongous thing for making games um, closer because sometimes games like for instance you play against knights, you go, okay, I'm going to take, bring it down because you're all vehicles and blah, 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 blah. Well, that's an instant landslide against the knights if the knights just end up losing. That's like uh, easily a like a 75 to 30 or even point like, kind of thing. Yeah, or like if you choose like the um, wrong, like, I'm going to engage in all fronts. And then you get you play, you didn't realize that your opponent is going to alpha strike you, I don't know, and then you're pinned into your deployment zone, and you're like, this was a bad idea. Well, rather than being hurt for five turns, well, I'm just going to discard engage all fronts for this turn and try something else to get myself out of this mess. Yeah, so it could actually create an environment where it's actually very, very close games. Now, given it's still swingy because you're having to draw cards, but it's def like um today Ray and I, when we were chatting, I was helping a um a small cluster of newer players, um, j keep their rules straight. Which there is one rule that I still get wrong every time, and that's the fact that Gilman does in fact benefit from his own rerolls because of how they change the other characters in the Space Marines Codex where they don't benefit from their rerolls. It's so frustrating. It's a prime um, please. <laughs> hey, hey, but he's still out of an 8th edition book, so it's... I don't remember if he got FAQ'd or not, but anyway. I was sitting there, and for players like them who aren't used to playing match play things because they didn't have objectives on the table. They were just trying to kill each other and oh, add a power level or whatever. Um, the This kind of thing where you generate a secondary objective could be a good way for people to get used to the idea of match play where it's like, oh, I just need to do this this turn and then they can venture into actual full-blown like tournament play where you have to pick your secondaries every every yeah, game and I, you totally stay agree. With those I think it'd be a great teaching tool it's a great way to a great um because i think a lot of players when they get bogged down with those secondaries it's not so much uh, they don't want to make a mistake you know i don't want to pick the wrong one or the one that hurts my army well guess what you're going to play all of them because they're in the deck so it's that's pretty cool. I, I I think you got a good point there. It'd be a good learning tool to get people comfortable with them. Yeah, and also when you like I was saying earlier, if you put it into the actual competitive scene of things, it can sudden like if you get a lucky streak of cards of like, hey, stand on this objective, stand on another objective, you can just but dunk, 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 and you can get a humongous point lead 
but your opponent can also draw secondaries like, oh, hey, be in this many corners for like a smaller engage in all fronts thing. And you and your opponent are having to change tactics like how an actual war game goes sometimes. So it can be a really close game because of the cards that you draw, or it can be a landslide of a victory if your opponent literally is not able to do any of the secondaries at all ever. Yeah. Because he got bad draws and he couldn't I'm, get rid of I'm them. I'm excited. Uh, it has a little bit of elements of the open war deck. I know, Ray, you have more experience with that, where you have the uh, random deployment and random... Mm, uh, I think it has random number of objectives as well. So it kind of... I mean, there's not a whole lot of difference between primary, but it's, I think it's hold one, hold two versus hold two, hold three. I think was the big difference there. So anyway, I will might give them a try. I do take it back, but uh, we'll see what happens. I could see those get introduced. Oh yeah, no, I'll I'll definitely be giving it a try personally because of the fact that it'll be it'll be fun to be honest. Like, all right, we're gonna do this this turn so anyway as it promised uh your itc top 10 so here we are uh, updated with all the fun from adepticon the gram uh, the uh, the oscars uh all everything else this past weekend uh, as well as the manchester gt so in 10th place uh jack west uh ninth place jay seabarn uh seabarn uh takes a bit of a tumble down the ninth place ryan snyder uh, hangs in the top 10 there in 8th place. Jack Tight, as I mentioned before, moves up to 7th place. 6th place, Joseph Gillespie. 5th place, Manny Chima. 4th place, Sean Rice. Uh, Cyclops, James Marsden, uh, comes down to 3rd place. Quinton Johnson's knocked off the top spot, calling to 2nd place. And in 1st place with nearly 1,000 points. It's 999. So he is partying it up with 6 events. Is Jamie Balcom. So interesting to see him rise up to the top. We had not seen uh, his previous events jump in, but now he's at the top spot. And about to follow his. Here we go. Come on, computer. <laughs> it's always good to be on a live show here. Yep. So. Yeah. Um. Yeah, he's in the same boat as me. He is playing custodes. And uh, so Confrontation Redemption GT came in first uh, uh, team tournament. He also came in third. Beachhead Brawl, which you talked about a few weeks ago, came in 26th. Twisted One Day Series Part 1 came in fourth. Manchester GT, which we talked about this episode, came in 68th place. And then in the War Masters RTT for Q1, he came in second. So curious to see if he stays with Custodes, if he switches over. I mean, his recent successes bolstered his points, but um, curious to see what he, if he makes a switch to another faction or finds the winning recipe with Custodes to take on the clown uh, menace that we have right now. Yeah, it's, it's def- I know the Custodes definitely have the tools to still play in, in high-level stuff and potentially squeak away events, but we need to adjust to having tools to deal with Harlequins because Harlequins are going to be the things that hurt us in the fact that again, like you play with light, we don't get to reroll. Most of your armies naturally minus one to hit. 
Uh, we can only hit you on a four or better, which takes away half of our potency. <laughs> so it's um, we just need more more hurricane bolter shaped tools right. to potentially deal with our. So just to the ITC top ten, we're going to start featuring some of the regional uh, circuits, and we're going to start with our very own Rattler Cup this week. Uh, in tenth place, uh, Chris Geyser. Uh, ninth place, Henry Gridley. Eighth place, I don't know who this bum. I guess they let anybody into this league. Uh, Robert Herr. What's up with that? <laughs> yeah, 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 he's just kind of a bum. Seventh place, Derek stuff. Page. Uh, sixth place, Ter- Tarek Hall. Uh, fifth place, Ali Hung. Uh, fourth place, Apollo Chang. Third place, Donovan Salo. Second place, Tyler Hepler. And in first place, Lee Harris with 142 points. If you want to add your event to the Rattler Cup, just let me know. Uh, it's a real simple process when setting up your event in BCP. Simply, uh, it'll ask what's... Uh, store you want to be part of and in this being your local store you can just click on my last name and it'll be added to the event so any more than happy to walk you through that so there we are uh adepticons in the books we are officially underway in the itc season and um so what do we expect over the next few weeks we've got tyranids coming up probably in two weeks nights right after that and i'm assuming some sort of faq balance sheet again um, the balance sheet is actually supposed to be dropping okay. in April. So at that point, it's a, if the balance sheet drops soon enough in April, it will be live to affect the Dallas open, which is going to be another extremely large event. Um, and also because it's dropping before nights come out, um, if it does something to Knights, we get to see if it would have affected anything because the the big winners of avoiding the balance sheet nerf are, in fact, the Tyranids, unless the balance sheet says, hey, guess what? You lose Crusher Stampede with your new Yeah, products. I'm glad you brought that up because I didn't know. It's one thing that they, you keep hearing about all these upgrade after upgrade coming from the Warhammer community page that's happening to Tyranids. And it's not just the big stuff, but even your the basic flesh bores going up to strength five. And it's like, where does that leave st- a Crusher Stampede? Was that a Band-Aid? Is that a real thing moving forward? I have no idea. Or is it just, do they now get pointed out so to the point where you just don't have enough bodies on the table? I'm not really sure. Well, we'll just have to see because... I'm not going to throw my dart <laughs> at the prediction board. It yeah, already has sure. plenty. So looking forward to that. Uh, we should be seeing the Tyranid Codex in the next two weeks is what the current rumors are. Um, looking forward to see what uh, all things kidding it have to talk about and what changes they make there. It's very exciting. I have to see those new models. I'm really excited to see that. And then shortly thereafter, we should be seeing some um, Chaos Love. that we're, This was supposed to be the year of Chaos. We'll see what comes out. Yep, yep, indeed, Eric. And also, as a side note, what's the website or the link that I can find the Rattler Cup standings at so I can, like, <laughs> stroke my ego a little bit? <laughs> it's, uh, I'm not sure how to, you can get it through BC, uh, BCP, uh, Best Coast Pairings, and uh, but I'm trying to find easier ways to access it because there's also, for example, the uh, event we just talked about in Connecticut. They're part of the Northeast Circuit. There's, of course, the um, Lord High Marshall uh, series. Trying to find a way to get get these all together so we can post them up on 
the Extravaganza um, Facebook page, so you guys can follow along at home. So we'll take care of that probably this week. Okie dokie. So yes, if you're if you find that your TO was able to get your tournament added to the Rattler Cup, you can That's also true. follow along with your own standings. So I look forward to that. But yeah, it's one of those. It's a. It was fairly easy to do, and I was like, wow, this is super easy. Why did it? Whereas last year I was doing it by hand with a spreadsheet. That was terrible. Um, so I'm not doing that again. Ooh. But uh, anyway, with that note, um, hey, let's end the show. My name's Eric. And thank you for listening to the Exterminatus Podcast.